Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. I am Ethan Lane Miller, and joining me today are Barack Malkin, RDY. In each episode, we discuss what we lovingly call a Torah smash, which we have defined as a beautiful collision of one thing from the world of Judaism with another from nerd culture. For today's episode, we're boldly going where no one has gone before. Exploring, I know, <laughs> and are exploring Starfleet General Order One from Star Trek. <laughs> so specific. I guess you have to with Star Trek. Oh, don't worry. I have even more right, exposition for you. Uh, nice. Well, I will say before you expose Zish. <laughs> before I expose <laughs> that. Um, that, and I've told you both this privately, but I'll, I'll admit it to the our dozens of listeners. I am not a Star Trek person, so I don't even know what general orders are. I think we'll get to it. I don't think we're not going to hold it against you. Yeah. Yeah. First airing in 1966, Star Trek boasts a multitude of television shows and movies. While each incarnation of Star Trek brings its own unique take on the franchise with a new set of characters and adventures, there are some things that are pretty consistent regardless of the series. Going on vacation to that pleasure planet? That planet totally has a deep, dark secret. Finally getting some R&R time in the holodeck? It's definitely going to malfunction. Did you just beam down to a new planet wearing a red shirt? I am so sorry. (laughs) These are great. (laughs) One consistent story theme in Star Trek has been Starfleet General Order 1, more commonly known as the Prime Directive. According to Memory Alpha, the Star Trek wiki, the Prime Directive was the embodiment of one of Starfleet's most important ethical principles, non-interference with other cultures and civilizations. At its core was the philosophical concept that covered personnel should refrain from interfering in the natural, unassisted development of societies, even if such interference was well-intentioned. Regardless of the incarnation of Star Trek, you can bet that there would be episodes that focused on the Prime Directive. So, to start us off, RDY and Barack, what do you think is the Jewish topic I want to discuss today that intersects with the Prime Directive from Star Trek? Well, now I have to nerd a little bit. Is it, I'm going to, um, actually, is it the prime directive of not interfering or is it also including the, uh, prime directive alpha? I think it is, which says that even if they, the planet or species will die, you still cannot interfere. They like got explicit. Does it have to do with like that deep of it or just like you don't interfere with other civilizations progress? It It is, it is that deep. Uh, and that is, um, Certainly a theme of, you know, what is the natural evolution of a planet? Perhaps the natural evolution is that comet is going to slam into it and it is going to destroy that civilization. Hmm. So there's a Jewish context for this. There's a, there's a Jewish angle I'm interested in exploring. When you first oh. introduced the topic, before uh, Alpha ruined this idea for me, but I was thinking originally like Tsar Balei Chaim of, of, being protective of animals, like caring for, for animals. And then I, and then I went to Adam uh, and Eve to till and to tend, like to take care of the earth. But I'm thinking now I'm totally off. I'm starting us off. The question I have in mind is very broad. You're actually focusing in way too deep. 
is there like can you give us another like little hint so it's a broad topic extremely broad so it's I think Judaism. it's Judaism. I think you know what, RDY? I bet it's a I bet it's some Jewish value of I think you were right on with like taking care of the earth, but you gotta remember this is like don't take care of it. <laughs> you just gotta let it be. So maybe may is it have to do? I doubt this is it. Does it have something to do with like uh teaching your children so that they then can do things on their own, sort of thing? Even even a, a, a further step up and backwards. Is it the idea of like creation and 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 everything has its natural path and process? My question for you, what is Judaism's prime directive? The one rule, the most important rule. Monotheism. So I thought that would be your answer, Arduino. <laughs> <laughs> so it so uh I'm trying to think. There's gotta be like something that's stated the most often in the Torah, right? And there's 613 mitzvot. There are, uh, they say the word, I don't know, something a lot. <laughs> so what is the prime directive of Judaism? Oh, love love your neighbor as yourself. Like treat the, str- the widow, the orphan, the poor, the stranger with love and respect. You're so stoic, Ethan. Something that I'm interested in exploring and RDY, you now gave both the types of answers I was curious we would get. Are our answers going to be observance-based or are our answers going to be values-based? Oh. Is the prime directive of Judaism based on a belief or is the prime directive of Judaism based on a value? Na'asev and Ishma, we will do and we will hear. Like it's, it's, they're inexorably linked, the belief system and the behavior system. I would think if we're going if similar to Star Trek, Prime directive, they were a list of orders and instructions and things given, like Ten Commandments, number one. There is no other God. I am your God, and I'm there's no other God before me. Right? That's number one. Anochi Adonai Lahecha. I am Adonai your God. That's the first. I'm glad. Thank you, uh, Hebrew school, for letting me get that right. Um, <laughs> what is wait, what is the topic? That that, that think... is the question. Oh, the topic what is... is what? Oh, we're just discussing yes. what is the prime directive. Yeah, that 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 is the oh, question. What is Judaism's that... prime directive? Zoom right I over thought, the head. I thought that we were trying to figure you, out. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's that's literally we immersed that's, in your topic. That that's literally yeah. my question. What is you... Judaism's <laughs> prime directive? So Jewish of you to have your topic be a question and just yeah, add the question <laughs> wrapped in the question. Yes. And what I'm curious about was uh, RDY, the two answers that you gave up front, your immediate answer was observance-based. And then your second answer was about values. When I was thinking about this topic, my first answer was very much uh, a values-based answer. And then as I thought more deeply about it, I thought, well, no, is it, is it the, 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 the monotheism? Is it, you know, there is one God? Is it that, you know, we are, are waiting for the Messiah? Like what is what is the prime directive of Judaism? I think without that belief system, whether, and, and, and here's a problem with, with belief is that when I say God, the three of us have seven different images in our heads right. and to be able to call ourselves monotheistic when even that mono is poly, it's, it, it becomes very um, conflated and people, and I, I really also, I firmly believe that anyone who says that they are an atheist really means agnostic, or they mean, I don't believe in the God that 
Hebrew school taught me about, uh, you know, or I don't believe in the God that Renaissance art taught me about. And, and I would say as a, as someone who declares regularly belief in God, I don't believe in those gods either. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting phrasing. Well, Ethan, do you have, let me ask, <laughs> do you have like a lot of Jewish quotes to support this? Or am I going to be constantly quizzing RDY uh, on this episode <laughs> for things that I'm looking for? I, I think you're going to be digging deep into your toolbox and quizzing RDY. That's good. So uh, there's like another, right? There's quotes of like, uh, right, Torah, the prime directive, right? The Torah is equal to the, the study of all those other things. Torah is equal to them all, right? Um, so, Torah connected Kulam. Thank you very much. So I think some people would say that the Torah and what the Torah stands for and is, is the prime directive of Judaism. But is like what I, what is above all else? That is a that's a tough. This is a stumper. And and I think that's why it would have to be monotheism because everything else stems from that. You know, we we the Torah is our very best friend because it was the gift given to us from God. I know it's a fictional story, but that's another story for another time. But you know, the the study of it is is a part of our belief system and the values in it are a part of our belief system and everything is interwoven and interlinked into a prime directive that again is not mono. Yes, yes, but the right, the purpose of the federation of the Starfleet is not to not interrupt other people, it is exploration, right? That their basis is exploration and learning and growth. But their prime directive is that while we are doing the thing that we love to do, we are not going to interfere and interrupt with other civilizations, right? So, so and so, so I don't know, again, like my Star Trek knowledge is limited, yeah. but I did have seen the movies from, you know, the, the earlier movies when the cast of the TV show were, was yeah. in movies. And th- what you're saying about the prime directive and not interfering seems to me to go against what they did when they saved the whales. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get there in a, in, in a little bit. I don't want to tip my hand for some of my future questions. Something that I think Barack is beginning to kind of hint at and, and play with is that Starfleet in the universe of Star Trek has the power to, in the situation we discussed, they could very easily redirect an asteroid that's headed to a planet to wipe out a civilization. Uh, and it makes me think of the quote, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And in fact, you know, part of like the, you know, in the second J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, Star Trek Into Darkness, they violate the prime directive at the in the opening scene of the, of the movie. <laughs> and this civilization that was about to be wiped out by a volcano sees the Enterprise and the opening leads into the opening title of, of the film where we see the civilization take what's their holy scroll, drop it to the ground as they draw the Enterprise in the sand and begin warshipping uh, <laughs> the, the starship that just saved them from annihilation. I don't wait. Is that the one where they like reset the timeline? Is that the one? It's, it's, the, it's the second one where they did a, a parallel yeah, universe. Yeah. That's well, but, I will say I don't know not to nerd a little bit. I would say that's that I think it's partly the prime directive. I know there's another one that states if a civilization has not explored outside of their reach and doesn't know about like other worlds that you are not to tell them. Like it seems like they knocked off so many of their things right off in the first scene you're telling me. 
I don't I remember mean, this one very well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes. And and one of the great traditions of Star Trek is the prime directive is, of course, violated many times in many situations. Um, I think that was I, a wise question. Y- yeah. And, and there are, there are, of course, moments. But, you know, the, the rule is is there. And I think the, the point of the quote I just, I think, brought out is that, you know, in some sense, you're playing God. When you ignore the prime directive. Potentially, yes. Yeah. So when I thought about this topic, I, I definitely first leaned very values-based and immediately thought of Hillel and, and the golden rule and the idea of, you know, tre- treating others the way that, that, that you want to be treated. And that was then immediately followed up by the question of, can you separate values and, and, and practice? And, and, you know, is that, can I really distill all of Judaism into that one quote from Hillel? That doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. Well, the whole quote ends with go and study. So you can, un, you can encapsulate Judaism in one statement as long as you also go and study. See, that ties the Torah back in. I think, I think the prime directive is going to be something like learned Torah or study Torah, or whatever the you know, Hebrew phrase for that might be. I think that would be the prime directive. I think all the things that we talk about and we learn and we love about Judaism come from our study of Torah year in, year out, right? 100%. Yeah. And, I think and that, yeah. that's true whether you mean Torah, the scroll, mm-hmm. or Torah, all of Jewish learning, which is usually what we mean when we say Torah generically is we yeah. mean all of Jewish learning. And, and to be able to turn that around again and again, uh, in the, in, to paraphrase Ben Bagbag, the essence of any question that we have is dealt with in Torah, meaning Jewish learning. So now I feel like it's a cop out. Torah just means all Jewish learning. Like I get like a hundred. Yes, that should be the basis in the prime directive, but we've just encapsulated everything. But I, that, I still, I think as this episode goes on, you're just going to make me more and more convinced that that is the prime directive. That, that learning and, and study is, is what Torah. it all comes back to? Of Torah. Of Torah. Yeah. I would, I would acquiesce to that with the understanding that learning is a directive monotheism is a belief where mm-hmm. that that has to precede the directive like, right, like the exploration you wouldn't of care space. about a prime you wouldn't care about a prime directive or a general order one of any organization unless you believed in the organization right the mission i think right starfleet's mission is exploits i don't know what you if you know it off the top of your head ethan but starfleet has a mission and it essentially is like exploring space right so the the idea that judaism has this monotheism at its head, I think then the prime directive of studying Torah would be the prime directive. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me ask you the question that we kind of accidentally stumbled into, which is in the grand tradition of Star Trek, captains very often break the prime directive. Uh, and in fact, the newest Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds, sees Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise break the Prime Directive in the very first episode. So a question I have for us is, you know, setting aside what we think the Prime Directive of Judaism might be, when is it okay for we as Jews to break the rules of Judaism? When is it justifiable? To save a life. And there you go. Well, thank you for listening to Torah Smash. I'm Ethan. And this and this actually uh, bolsters my point about believing in God, because you are 
commanded to break all of the laws of Torah in order to save a life, except belief in God. Wait, what? In, I'm trying to think of a situation where you'd be instructed to save a life against the belief of God. Like, what is an example? Convert or die. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but but the but the, where you're breaking a law is like you know you see someone who needs who needs help on Shabbat and and to do so you would have to carry something and and get it out of their way or break something or build something to help them or use a tool like all of that is okay and you know in a story a friend of mine told me he was who is a Shabbat observant Jew he had to drive his wife to the hospital on Saturday afternoon, she had sprained her ankle. So he drove her to the hospital to help her get medical attention. It's not life-saving medical attention, but she needed medical attention. So they drove on Shabbat, which is something he doesn't normally do. But then once she had the medical care she needed, they waited in the lobby until Havdalah and and then drove home. Hmm. Oh, it's so interesting. And I bet, well, I think remembering back, I think a lot of the instances that Star Trek breaks their prime directive gets tied to the hopes of saving an individual, either from, you know, death or from some dramatic, traumatic experience. So I like, is that in the opening sequence of the new one you just mentioned? I haven't, I, I haven't seen many of the new ones. I've, I've watched many of the old ones. Um, yeah, it was um, is it for a in, life in the, in the context <clears throat> of, of the movie. Uh, yeah. It was saving this, species on a planet is about to be wiped out. And in the context of, of strange new worlds, it was uh, similar. So the first episode of the, of the new Star Trek series, they realize that the civilization is about to potentially destroy itself. And, and there, there's some more like backstory to it that like puts pressure on Pike and the crew of the enterprise to, to act. And, you know, some of them thinking it's actually their fault. And in some ways it is that they are even put into this situation, mm. but I think for for Captain Pike, Captain of the Enterprise, and and the other, you know, instances in Star Trek, whatever iteration it is, I'm I'm struggling to think of an example where the Prime Directive was violated for a reason other than trying to save an individual or a civilization's life. There's, but there is. I don't want to do this to them. There is a specific sub directive that explicitly states even if it means that that earth or civilization will perish, you are still not to interfere in with them. So they're like, I think somebody was like, Oh, we've got to make another rule. They interfered because of death. Let, let's say, even if they're going to die, you can't interfere and they still do it. So, and there's no punishment. Nobody's like ever arrested the Starfleet like crew because they interfered with a civilization. It's never, we've never seen punishment come from them breaking these directives. So I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, they're they're the heroes. And so if they're breaking the prime directive, they're, of course, doing it for heroic reasons. Yes. But right. I, I guess I think that's not poor writing. I love Star Trek. I just think that if you're going to have these rules that when somebody when somebody breaks the called prime directive, the number one thing, there's no pun. Maybe they don't find out because the civilization doesn't know about the Federation, but. They still like, I don't know. They break the rule. To quote the sage, Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation, Mm. there can be no justice so long as laws are absolute. Even life itself is an exercise in exceptions. 
that's a very Jewish thought. The idea that even the the most solid law is malleable is very much introduced mm. in in Talmud for sure, because the Talmud is all about how do we make these Torah laws applicable to our lives in what they viewed as modern times without really losing the essence of what Judaism is. I can tell you, if you look up the prime directive on memory alpha, it's like a, f- a fifth of the page is talking about what it is. And the remaining four fifths are here's everyone who's violated it. And the reasons why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listeners go look it up. Tell us your favorite reason for breaking the prime directive. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely um, when, when it's done heroically and not by um, the antagonist of an episode, it is, it is pretty much always done to, to save a life or, uh, or a civilization. Huh. That's cool. Can I ask a question while we're on a Star Trek topic? Please. Because um, I think this is our first Star Trek episode. What I assume will be. I, I, I waited and didn't want to make it my first episode. So I waited all the way until my second episode. So I, as I mentioned, in one of our previous, I grew up a Trekkie, right? I like I, my dad had the show on all the time. So I've seen the original series, Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. I've seen all of those. I haven't seen many of the new ones. What are people's. Let me ask a favorite captain. I'm going to say Janeway. I think Captain Janeway is my favorite captain. Well, I don't to, even know who that is. You have to justify it, Barack. Show your work. Sure. I think, well, one, this was the first female lead captain that we had in Star Trek, as well as one of, you know, back in the 90s. This was one of few powerful female leads that wasn't brought down by other. She was an amazing leader for her crew and supportive. And as a lot of them are, I just think the, her poise, her charisma, her compassion really was a little beyond that of Kirk and Picard prior to her, that for a captain, she is, she is my favorite captain. I think for me, it's, it's a very clear captain Picard. Um, I think, and I don't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I probably did in like the first episode, in my and this is this is is going to shock you. This is very nerdy, but in my professional life, sometimes when I'm thinking of how do I want to respond to a certain situation, no. it's usually no. what would Obi Wan and what would Captain Picard do in in this situation. And so huh. RDY, I, I appreciated when I read that Picard quote, and you said, "Well, that sounds pretty Jewish." And and I wonder if that's coincidence or not. That <laughs> I am few. This guy yeah. could follow this guy my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if it's coincidence or not that I, I've been drawn to Obi-Wan Kenobi or, or in this instance, you know, Captain Picard for their values and the way they handle certain situations. I, I will say that to answer your question of who's my favorite captain, yes. I only know two. I only know Kirk and Picard. Um, and, and I am aware that two actors have played Kirk. Um, and I, I would have to say Picard as well, because he's also Charles Xavier. Yes, <laughs> if for no other reason. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I, I think of you know my my favorite Picard quote is, you know, it is possible to make no mistakes and still lose, and that's not a weakness; that is life. I think Star Trek's filled with lots of really awesome lessons. I think that's probably why you know, grown before universes began expanding in many other iterations of things. If you wanted to be a Star Trek fan. You had to watch hours and hours and hours of content in order to be a Star Trek fan. If you wanted to be like a Star Wars fan, you had to watch three movies. 
Yeah. Right? Like that there was a lot more. De- originally, there was a lot more dedication. Now they're pretty much on par with each other, with all the other things that have been created over the times. But I think the thing that I like more about Star Trek is that Star Wars is pretty much like an outer space Game of Thrones for those people who might understand that. It is just a battle for the top and a survival for those underneath them, I'll say, right? Star Trek is a lot of exploration, discovery, and learning. It's a, it's the whole purpose of it, except for, except for when they get lost and they can't find their way home, right? That aside from that, it is a lot of just learning about the universe. It is just knowledge I, exploration. I, I would even say, you know, you referenced Voyager right there. Like there's, there's a great meme of like, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to take a straight shot home? Are we going to investigate every <laughs> second random nebula? Oh, we're going to go investigate because that's what we do. Yeah. Even, even on their way home they're they're doing it. And I think, you know, people who, who get to know me and they pretty quickly feel, Oh, you're obsessed with, with star Wars. I'm like, well, actually I, I really like star Trek. They're like, oh, okay, well, what do you like more? I think it's going to be this big controversial question. It's yeah, like, yeah. No, it's Star Trek. Like, there's no, there's no hesitation. <laughs> there's no thinking about it. It's because, you know, ultimately at its best, Star Trek is about values and and morality. And I think it, it's deeply personal to me. Like when people ask me, or when I try to explain people, you know, how am I Ethan Lane Miller, the person I am today? It's like, well, I was raised on, you know, I was raised by wolves. I say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pausing so we can edit um when i try to explain to people like why am i the way i am today i say i was raised by two liberal jewish college professors and on a lot of star trek because ultimately at its best star trek is about values and 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 morality i want to i want to say we and i think ethan's on the same boat we don't hate star wars at all i star wars is another wonderful lovely entertaining uh universe of things i just happen to like star trek just a little bit like my wife and i were discussing this recently she's like well what happens if it comes up are you gonna like which do you like more what are you gonna say and we talked about this but i still like i still enjoy the underlying value of learning exploration and understanding as opposed to just uh starship fights and lightsaber fights it's not i'm we're we're like really like we could even say the same thing for Star. I apologize for just narrowing down Star Wars to action sequences because they have oh, a lot I'm gonna of really do worse than that. I'm going to do worse than that. And <laughs> I'm going to bring here, in emails. Here come the emails. Um, like talking, listening to the two of you talk about Star Trek makes me want to watch more Star Trek. Star Wars is a spaghetti Western where everything is obvious. The good guys are obviously good. The bad guys are obviously bad. What do you mean? It's not like the bad guys dressed in all black. <laughs> <laughs> Some um, of them were white. And, and, and it's, it, but the bad guys were black and white, clearly. Mm. And, and the good guys were colorful and Star Wars is it, like the, even the original three, like, yes, it was innovative special effects wise. Yes. It was really cool and fun to watch, but as far as like a really clever and well-written plot crickets, here come the emails. I know, right? <laughs> I want to be. We're going to lose a lot of fans this episode, Ethan. Thanks a lot. Except for what John Favreau has done to the Star Wars universe. Here we go. Oh, nice. I I will also put Dave Filoni up there with Clone Wars and particularly 
rebels and what's been going on with uh you know now his his work with with favaro which is not to say there aren't deep meaningful star wars stories um no there are we are we're recording this podcast the fifth episode of obi-wan kenobi came out last night and that was i still don't fully have the words to describe how deep and meaningful and emotional that episode was and i by the time this comes out the series will have ended and we'll see what the final episode brings but episode five was was just something else it was so deep and and Mm. and meaning and 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 moving but i think that there's there's no equivalent prime directive in in star wars there's no there's not really a star wars episode that's focused on a philosophical debate of does this character have rights in the way that star trek has a whole courtroom episode (laughs) about you know essentially does does data have a soul does he have free will yeah I will say, if we're going to thank people, I think we should also make sure to thank Patton Oswald for his yes. rant on Parks and Rec because he, uh, RDY, you have a, a face of confusion. In an episode of, of uh, Parks and Rec, he just rambled out his thoughts for what the next Star Wars movie was going to be. And it was almost shot for shot the opening of The Mandalorian uh, season one. Of, uh, of, of Boba Fett. Oh, Boba, I'm sorry, Boba Fett yeah. season one. Yeah, gold. So I think I would I want to give him some credit as well. You mean of Boba Fett shooting his way out of Sarlacc? A grab a hand like we yeah, like hand, hand down from the sun, yeah. and then a hand reaches up, and we're in the Sarlacc pit, and it's Boba Fett. Like he did the whole thing. It's a great video. You should check it out. Cool. So RDY, I know that you're not a as you said a big Star Trek fan. You've got some, so I'll ask another Star Trek question. We'll see where we land on this. So do people have? a favorite series, favorite movie of the Star Trek universe. Ethan's nodding along. What's your favorite, Ethan? I mean, yeah, like I clearly I'm not someone who spent a lot of time thinking about this and arguing the merits (laughs) in my head, but uh, the best Star Trek series is obviously Deep Space Nine. This is the show that starred Avery Brooks as the first black lead of, of a Star Trek show came out in the 90s. And he was a a single father. He was a a widower. It was very groundbreaking because he had a very positive relationship. Uh, the the character of Captain Cisco had a very positive relationship with his son uh, on the show, and it it differed from a lot of the media that came out in the '90s. In addition, you know, you want to talk about bringing in Judaism. One of the big plot points in Deep Space Nine is that they are working with a a population that just liberated their their homeland and their questions of who's a hero and who's a terrorist. Uh, it, the show also featured serialized storytelling, which nowadays is all there is. But back then, when everything was still episodic, they had these longer overarching themes and, and stories, and, and religion plays a big role in Deep Space Nine as well. And so I think just for, for so many reasons, and again, I could spend a whole podcast just talking about Deep Space Nine, uh, it is... It is the best Star Trek, and you'd, I don't need to take time to think about it. <laughs> I, there, I think Deep Space Nine has some of my favorite characters of the Star Trek. I loved Odo and Quark. Like, there's a lot of really great characters in Deep Space Nine. I like that. If I had to pick a favorite of their universe, I would, and RDY mentioned it, maybe because I, I feel like it was probably the one of the first Star Trek movies I saw, but Star Trek IV Voyage Home. For whatever reason, if not just the hello computer line of of him trying to of scotty trying to talk to the mouse 
was hysterical, but I, that one I seem to remember playing over and over again on our television for whatever reason. So I'm that one. Yeah. There was a great meme. I, I wish I had saved it. I saw it recently and it was just this person in, in this group that said, Hey, I convinced my, my relative, my sibling to finally start watching Star Trek and they're on the fourth movie. And it's just two texts back to back. And it goes, no way this movie is about to be them going back in time to find some whales. And then 20 minutes later it goes, Oh my God, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Artie Wine, your vast knowledge and experience of Star Trek. Well, I'm very curious of what your favorite is. My favorite is whatever one they told Will Wheaton to shut up Wesley. <laughs> uh, I will also say, I adore Will Wheaton as a human being and he should be a guest host. And Will, if you're listening, we'd we'll love make to have you an honorary you. Jew for, for an hour. In, well, that was next, in a heartbeat. That was next generation, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll make sure. I'm awesome. Well, you Barack, have- do you think it's time to beam us out? Yeah, I think, well, that was wonderful. I enjoyed that exploration of Star Trek. So thank you for that, Ethan. Um, that will do it for this episode of Taurus Smash. Our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. This episode is supported in part by Sinai and Synapses, which offers people a worldview that is both scientifically grounded and spiritually uplifting. They provide tools and language for learning and living to those who see science as their ally as they pursue personal growth and the repair of our world. Sinai and Synapses equip scientists, clergy, and dedicated laypeople with knowledge and skills to become role models, ambassadors, and activists for grappling with the biggest and most important questions we all face. To learn more, visit www.sinaiandsynapses.org. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to torahsmash.com to find where to connect with us online, email us directly, and find previous episodes and more. And you know you have a nerdy rabbi when your call-up for an Aaliyah ends with, Bima me up, Scotty. First airing in 1966. <laughs> Ha <laughs>